Hey, 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 welcome back. Another exciting episode. I got an old friend here, Gary Spencer Smith, zooming in all the way from the beautiful Vancouver Island. And Gary's been in the real estate biz for a long time. Gary, geez, I think the first time you and I chatted and, and I interviewed you about something was God, at least 10 years ago. It was like not, 2011, 12, around that time. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah it's been so a, while. Quite a while. And at that time, Gary was a focused on rent to own. And he had a very unique way that he was doing about doing that. Since then, his life and his real estate portfolio and his focus has completely transformed. And today, we're going to be talking about some very interesting non-traditional real estate investment property. So Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Always a pleasure. And it's always nice to reconnect. Yeah, yeah. It's always a blast. So uh, Gary, why don't you tell folks just a very, very briefly a little bit about yourself and your backstory. They're going to pick up a little accent in there. You know, tell us where you're from and how you got into this whole real estate game. Yeah, I mean, the quick 30 seconds, I was a military boy, Royal Navy from the UK, got pensioned out after 11 years service, moved over to Canada, was working a job, wasn't really what I wanted or taking me in the direction of life that I wanted. And picked up the rich dad, poor dad. I think we met at a, you know, I think it was a, one of the, you know, things years and years ago. And I joined yeah. one of your private groups way back then. So I told him like 20, 2008, nine, something like that. Yeah. And then about 11 was the first interview. I was started with a rent to own. Then we got into single family suites. That was kind of the bread and butter that got me ahead doing that over time. You know, I, I consistently did that for an amount of time when yeah. the numbers made sense in the area I was investing and then from that, it opened up other doors, other opportunities. People see what you're doing, and then they believe you after the fact. And so then it kind of grew to that. And then in 2019, I bought a holiday resort with a pub, restaurant, houseboats, um, Airbnbs, cabins, all that kind of stuff. So right at the, the best time to buy a pub and restaurant and a resort business. Yeah. <laughs> right then, before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, everything kind of went wild during the pandemic. So I, I stepped away from residential, just thought, you know, this, it didn't make sense where, where I wanted to invest. And then some opportunities came up for a couple of unusual type. You know, we bought a derelict building. that was a, an old duplex that we're converting and we're splitting the lot, separating it, subdividing. And then also a Goudoira came up, been there for a while. We'd looked at various options. Uh, what, what was that? What, what was Goudoira. So a church. What the hell is the name? Goodwara? Goodwara? Goodwara. It's a Sikh church. So it's where the Sikhs all go. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, And it had been on for a while. And the price, we were just looking at it thinking, wow, just the money wise, even if you turn that just straight to residential rezone it, you're going to make, you know, 150 grand. So we picked it up and then we looked at what it was zoned for, what it could be used for. And that ended up becoming, we're in the process now of almost finishing a 20 bed hostel eight room, 20 bed hostel. Um, and I'm thinking more that, you know, the medium term people working away from home, that's where I'm aiming at, even though it's a hostel. Got it. And then we also picked up an old Ford dealership that was 20, 24,000 square foot. And that became, we split that up into offices and separate units and rented each unit out separate. And that we picked that up at a funeral. So. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, we got a lot to unpack here, my friend. So, so let's let, let me try to remember all this wild and wonky stuff you're you're getting into. So, kind of sounds like the theme has moved from single family residential into a little bit more maybe the hospitality side of things. So, so maybe let's let's unpack the seasonal resort first of all. Yeah. For people that aren't familiar with that, what does that look like? 
What are the big pros and cons to that? And then we'll take a look at some of the other properties you're working on. I mean, the, the benefit to when I stepped in was I lived on the lake where this resort was with the houseboat. So I okay. actually, it was the pub restaurant was my local. So you could see the, just from being a regular, where there was an opportunity for value add. The so so you, you, there, there used to be a, a commercial for a razor, Remington, I think it was. And the guy said, I like the, I like the thing so much. I bought the company. So you like the pub so much, you bought the property. And, and you know, to, even to take a further step back, when I first visited Canada in 93 as a 16-year-old, this pub was the first place I ever got drunk in my life while I was on holiday. And the people we bought it off were who served me underage. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> it's in business. How it, and this was not the life plan. This is like a yeah. pure accident. Wow. And um, through investing in real estate and doing joint ventures and, you know, all the other creative strategies around residential, I was sitting with the owner and, you know, we've got vendor takebacks, private money, lend, like everything you could think of, we threw at this just to make it work. So had I not done the residential and the creative stuff around residential for 10 years and had enough experience and understanding, I wouldn't have been able to pick it up how I did. Okay. So how did you pick it up? Just how? Uh, so knowing the owner, he was, yeah. you know, friends and you'd sit and have a drink and he was talking about retiring. I'd heard it was up for sale and yeah, he's offered to do a vendor take back for an amount of money with a really great interest rate. So um, what is like about what percentage of the value uh, of the property? Four and a half percent. No, 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 sorry, not 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 the percentage, but what percentage uh, of the total price of the property was he willing to take as a vendor take back? So 3.5 million of a 4.8 sale. Oh, pretty good. All right. So yeah, good. so a good uh, chunk. He just, yeah. he came up with a number. He said, if you can come up with 1.3, that's what I, and I, I said, is there any reason to that number? He went, nope, that's just the number that came in my head. So, and, you know, and he's, and he's a smart businessman as well. You know, he's been in business for 30 plus years. He managed the company really well. The numbers were good. So you could see it was a healthy company. Um, and I just did the asset value. I was like, well, this lot, this piece of land's worth this. This house is worth that. Cabin's worth that. Each individual item's worth that. And I figured the total asset value is probably 5.3. So we were getting a deal. Yeah, and we were effectively getting a business thrown in for free for the cost of the assets. Got it. Yeah. So smart. not knowing how to run that business, you know, it was, it was a new thing. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. how long did it take you to kind of from sitting down with a beer with a guy to actually you now owning it? What time frame was that? So we probably about the April time we sat down and had a conversation. I worked with him during that summer to see how it all operates. And then we took okay. over in the September of 2019. Okay. So pretty so fast. It was pretty quick. Yeah. And at the time I had the other commercial building that we were like mid reno and I had a property management company that I've since sold. And so I had a lot of other stuff in the back yeah. that I've had to slowly, you know, get rid of and offload and delegate other stuff off to other people. Just it was too much because it is a, it's a lifestyle. It's not just an investment. Right. You you right. bought a business. You really yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, my I lived on the lake, but I was never at the lake. Just through doing real estate, you know, it's especially property management. Anyone who does their own management knows that, you know, we had like 80 to 100 doors, something like that. So it was a lot going on. Yeah. Um, But it was the lifestyle I wanted to leave. You know, it was less stressful. I remember going out to fix a boat and I was heading out towards one of the houseboats and it's sunny day and I'm, I'm straight and I'm like, why am I stressed? It's like 30 degrees. I'm in a boat. I'm driving to fix someone's hot tub on a houseboat. I'm like, I've served in Afghanistan and Iraq and Bosnia. I'm like, it's not exactly war zone. So I'm like, you know, he's back, put your shades on. I'm like, yeah, this is the life back you wanted. I shouldn't allow it to control me. So that was a big turning point for me that, that day. I remember it vividly. Nice. It's like, okay, let's, how do we make this business become more of a 
life support lifestyle versus a job that I'm going to do at the lake. Right. Another, another thing to do, right. Another. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you've got that on the go and what, you know, how are you guys open eight months out of the year, 10 months of the year? Yeah, we're, we're pretty much, we're, we're seasonal. So our peak season is June, July, August, and then fringes are April, May, and September. I know last year we had a long summer, so we were, we were open till October and the pub stays open for events after October, but after New Year, we kind of shut it down and we take a few months off, recoup, get all the jobs done because yeah. there's a lot of stuff to do on a big resort, you know, to get ready and definitely and bring it up to where, because I have a vision for the resort as well. So it's slowly taking these steps as well to get it to where I would like it to be in five years from now. Now I'm interested in hearing about the new project you got on the go with this hostel idea. So why, if you don't mind, walk us through that one and how that one's looking. Um, so my friends, like I've got joint venture partners in on the resort too. So, you know, okay. we're shared ownership. So these people I own houses with, I own other properties. It's basically my, I call it my golden circle. Yeah. So anyone who, you know, you develop that over time. And we were just sitting there and this, this property came up and it was a good war. And another person who I JV'd with, it was behind his property that he was on. Okay. So we went and looked around and we were like, if you could split this into a fourplex or a sixplex, it kind of makes sense, you know, but it just, it didn't happen at that time. Yeah, so, plus it's kind of a, it's built as a church for crying out loud. So that's just a major a massive record. box, basically, yeah. with a huge commercial kitchen underneath. Okay. There are two floors. It's in a residential area. And uh, we looked at it, decided against it. And then the next year it dropped to 250. So this is 2021. So, you know, houses were like doubling because it was COVID, it was like doubling. It. So it was cheap. Like a house next door. 250 grand for the whole yep. thing? Oh, yeah. Wow. And a house would have sold for. 550, 600 yeah. on the same street if it was a house. So we were like, well, if we buy the 250, convert it back to a house, do some minor altercations, you're going to, you know. Massive house. You could, yeah, you, you could make a decent amount of money. So we looked into the rezoning and the city wasn't really all over it. There was a lot of things in the red tape side of it. It was just a headache. Yeah. So we said, right, what's it zoned for right now? One was a daycare and the other was a hostel. So we looked at the daycare option. We advertised a little bit to find someone that wanted to do a daycare. And, you know, huge, huge demand for that. There's money for it now, you know, for renos. So we thought if we can tie all that in, offset some costs, someone could manage this other business. I don't want another business. Right. But we'd share the property and the profits and stuff like that. So that didn't come about. And then we were like, well, let's just convert it to a hostel. So we just did the math, did the square foot and figured we could get six queen rooms and five bathrooms and two bunk rooms with a, with four rooms in each. So that was how we got our, and I'm aiming at the, we've got workers at the mill here from Chile, you know, they're, they're living in, in a motel for six months at a time. Right. So I said, I'm somewhere between an actual true hostel and a short term, midterm Airbnb. So, you know, we're going to kit the rooms out nice. I'm thinking like the military accommodation, what you'd live in, you'd have a shared living room, a shared TV room, a shared games room, a massive kitchen, because that was already in the building, which was a right. great asset, the commercial kitchen from the Gudwara. So we just had to make that more restaurant style so they could go and cook their own food in the restaurant and mm -hmm. redo some of the, the plumbing just to make it fit because each room doesn't have a, it has a sink, but no toilet. So then the five bathrooms are shared. So we kept it that way and we're almost at finish now. And, you know, I did a bit of data on the air DNA that you can yeah. look up in the stats and, we based on 50% occupancy and we were 60% less than the lowest priced Airbnb, or the, the average priced Airbnb, sorry. And it's still made for $500,000, which will be total into it, said and done. It'll make about $70,000 a year. And in wow. retrospect, a house 
that's fully tenanted would make about 36 to 40,000 a year for the same amount of money, like dollars to dollars. Right. So we were like, well, we're already doing double the cash flow for half the occupancy. So if we can increase that occupancy, I, I realistically, I think we're expecting to make about 100,000 a year with about 40,000 to 50,000 of costs. Very, very so cool. So it, it should be a high cash flow asset. And yeah. at that point, and because it's commercial, I'm not tied to this residential mortgage, you know, and all the, it's mm. whatever the building's worth in generating, that's what I can get a mortgage for. Exactly. So, so you kind of get it up and going under your own financial steam and then refinance once it's, you can show the numbers. Yeah. And then we'll see so what, what it looks like in, you know, three, four years. And we either keep going or we offer it to someone else and sell it as a business at that point. Yeah. What about just logistically cleaning and whatnot, that sort of thing? Is that up to the tenants or? Uh, so yes and no. I've, I've spoke to a few people that, you know, did a bit of research and a lot yeah. of people said when they went to hostels, they've just been given a tote with the bedding. So they put their own bedding on. So you're not making rooms up. So housekeeping comes down. Right. And then at the end, they just put all the bedding back in the tote and hand it over. So we've got a live-in caretaker who will manage okay. the hot tub. Because we'll put a nice outside area. So I'm thinking hockey teams that come to town, sports uh, teams, you can fit 20 people in one place versus finding three or four Airbnbs. So I'm also thinking of that as a market. Um, the tree planters that come every spring for two months, you know, March and April, they've already said, oh, we'd love this place, but we'd need a drying room. So I just took half the front foyer and converted it to a drying room. So there, I'm you like, there you go. There's all your wet stuff in there. So I'm, I'm trying to think of all the problems that people will have that I can alleviate. So when they step into this place, it just makes sense for them to come here. So I'm just playing devil's advocate here. You get a bunch of tree planters in there. My recollection of my hanging around with tree planters days where they like to party, they like to drink, they like to do all that kind of stuff. What about, you know, managing those kind of situations? Hockey teams tend to get a little rowdy sometimes. Yeah. So I've, I've got them. Uh, I mean, the, the whole place is camera top to bottom. Um, so on top of that, having the living caretaker, you know, to do things. I'm also making a lot of the equipment smart. So like the plugs that connect the TVs, right. the speakers, all that. So that's just going to switch off at 11 p.m. So it doesn't matter whether you control it or not. That plug is not going to be active. So, <laughs> so there are things like that that I'm putting in that I, I can smart. control. Yeah. And then obviously it's managing, you know, managing the neighbors like anything, letting them know, hey, if there's ever anything, here is the number to call. I don't care what it is, phone this number, and then we'll have the on-site caretaker there you know within half an hour and yeah okay I mean, just one, one last is at the resort now staying in houseboats and in my airbnb so i'm, I'm, I'm aware of what they're like and it's just <laughs> like anything if you manage it well and you're respectful the people usually they're respectful back you're gonna get the odd one or two but yeah that's business that's, that's business that's part of life um so is your caretaker going to be cleaning the kitchen, that kind of stuff? Because that's yeah. the other so thing. So he'll keep on top of that. I mean, they're responsible for cleaning this stuff, but you're still going to have to have someone do, you know, a yeah. daily wipe over and check the bathrooms kind of out, stuff. make sure things are stocked. So sweet yeah. deal for the caretaker. That sounds like a pretty and we know the guy. He's he's pretty handy, you know, but he yeah. he wants he's going to get free rent. Yeah. And he's going to get paid, you know, a and a flat amount of money, and then the rent will be part part of his pay. So he's happy and he's not a partier. He likes to just sit, go on his computer. He builds things. He's a little, you know, creative character. Builds no, and stuff like that. So it'd be perfect for him because he'll have lots of time to do his hobbies outside of the work. Yeah, interesting. So, Gary, talk to us a little bit about your uh, your real estate journey and kind of your mentality or your changing mindset. We talked a little bit about this off mm. camera when we started. So, walk us through that and and how you've kind of changed perspective recently. 
I think, um, you know, when you first get started, you know, you, you read whatever books, you go to whatever seminar, everything's exciting and new, and you, you go on this chase of trying to get to whatever that is for you, whether that's, you know, five houses, 10 houses, a lifestyle, or payoff, you know, it's, so I went on this journey of chasing real estate. And because I'm an action taker, you know, I'm the two foot in and I'll figure it out on the way and stuff like that. Um, but I always, I'm a good problem solver. So I'm always thinking, how can I make this better? So even when I was on that journey, I'm like, how can I make it better? How can I make it better? And it just, it kind of just grew to where we had, you know, multiple houses, multiple things going on, property management company, because there was no property management company of sorts in town. And so we ended up doing that. Then we formed, you know, the company, the revenue and all that kind of stuff and the YouTube. And that was just to get an awareness. So when you're speaking to JV partners, I mean, you know, you're aware of the marketing. So I had this whole thing going on. And then I was speaking to a, a coach and he was just like, what are you chasing? And it was because like, I was, you know, living, I feel like at 110 mile an hour all the time. My brain never switched off. And I realized I was chasing certain ghosts. I wasn't actually, I'd, I'd actually achieved what I wanted as a 20 year old, what I would love my life to look like. I was living that life, but I wasn't grateful for it. Or as grateful or as I should be. Or, or yeah. I hadn't even realized it. Yeah. And it's so once I realized, you know, then I, I started doing, you know, your gratitude journals every day. And I know you always taught to do it, but, you know, I taught a lot of things that I don't necessarily go and do and implement. Yeah, you and me both, all of us. So I, I, I started doing that. And from doing that, I had, you know, a life change recently. And then I met someone new in my life, recently got engaged. And I'm just like, you know, this is the life I actually want to live. Yeah. And I can achieve that pretty easy. So I started looking, you know, with GB partners and saying, look, Let's look at our big cash producing assets because cash flow is, is king. But, you know, 500 bucks, 600 bucks a house is nice, but you still need a lot of houses to be living off those 500 bucks. Right. Um, and, and, you know, the gravy is really in the principal pay down, which, which is a time thing. Right. And even with that gravy, you can't eat principal. You can't travel on principal. You have to have actual cash. So we looked at the biggest cash flowing assets, which is the resort and the hostel and the commercial properties that we have. Um, we're going to keep some of the single families that we've had for so long. They do cash flow really well now. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, we're kind of liquidating a few things, putting all the money into the cash flowing assets. So we right. just to increase that, like the hostel, we have a small private mortgage, but our plan is to pay that off and have no mortgage. Oh, no free clear. Free. Nice. So then the cash flow of that, you know, if, if we have a, a bad year and it only makes... 50 grand, okay, that, that's okay too, because that's true cash on cash. Yes, it's taxable. We know it's income through the corp. Oh, but you don't, have a, you don't have a mortgage hanging over your head there. Yeah, so that's what I'd like to do. And then same for the resort. You know, it's it's been a, a challenge because of COVID. Yeah. Um, the unknown that that created over those first few years. Um, now we've kind of got a vision of where we want to get that to in a certain time period. So that produces a decent cash flow and dividends to all the shareholders. And that's what we're looking to live our lives from. So I just divert my energy towards that more than growing a portfolio more and more, which well, you know, you it's know great it, people want to do it, but you know, I'm content. You know what? It, and this is interesting because we just had our mutual friend, uh, Russell Westcott speak oh, yeah. at our local real estate investment club last month. And that's what he was talking about. He was talking about, you know, same idea when he first got started was like volume, volume, I've got to have a gazillion doors and all this kind of stuff. And then more recently he's realized, Hey, you know what? Having five suited single family homes, mortgage free 
look at the cash flow from that, you know, relative comparatively yeah. tiny portfolio. But it's not about the size of the portfolio. It's about what what do you net at the end of the day? Yeah. And how much simpler is your life if you don't have to manage, like you were in property management, I mean, yeah. 80 to 100 doors managing that. God bless you, man. That's like, that's the ultimate nightmare for most of us. <laughs> yeah. And we had staff and everything just to help oh, with that. Yeah, I know. And then it's, you know, I, from my understanding, you have to have like three or 400 units under management to make sense for having staff and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's, you know, all this kind of stuff. But by simplifying things, just like you've done by stepping back and saying, what the hell do I really want to do? Sounds like you're a handy kind of guy. You like going out and fixing the hot tubs from time to time and that. But you also like the idea of being able to take three or four months off yeah. and go travel around, do whatever the hell you want with your lovely soon-to-be new wife. Your congratulations, yeah. you're you're engaged. You. Yeah. So it's it's creating that lifestyle and have your portfolio work for you instead of you busting your ass all the time working for it. And it's it's funny because one our um, our catchphrase at revenue was always like help real estate to use real estate to help you live a life that you love. <laughs> and it's and you know, we said it over and over. I've told yeah, it yeah. to loads of people. I'm saying it to you know JV partners, but then it was like it's funny that self-reflection and when you you know something happens in your life that makes you open your eyes a bit more. It, it can yeah. be, you know, for some people it's bereavement, for some people it's a separation, a child born, you know, there's all these different major life changes that happen. And each time I think you get to that, you have another reflection point, another reflection point, another reflection point. And, um, you know, I've been lucky that, lucky, unlucky, depending on however you look at it, the challenges that have happened to me at various stages of life, you know, my early 20s, my father passed, my 30s, I had a challenge, you know, I was, I was divorced. I've, I've had all these different things go on. And at each time I feel I've twisted another way and it's, it's funny how you end up where you should be eventually, yeah. but it's, being around the right people, talking to the right people, listening to the right information. Because mm -hmm. I could speak to someone else or have not heard you guys 15 years ago, 12 years ago, and being listening to someone completely different and went on a totally different path. So yeah. it's I think it's always good to self-reflect what you truly want your life to look like and then reverse engineer it to see how real estate fits into that. Smart. Wise words. Mr. Gary Spencer Smith, if people want to connect with you, find out more about you. Stay at your resort, stay in your hot, whatever. How can they, what's all things Gary? How can people connect? So our resort is the Fish and Duck on Sprout Lake on Vancouver Island. So you can come out houseboating there, come enjoy our pub, the Bomber Burger. That's our feature or our pulled duck poutine. It's another of our feature dishes. <laughs> if you're swinging on your way out to Tofino, stop in. Or they can email me at gary at rentalhouseprofits.com. And I'm typically on the island and Port Alberni is my bread and butter, like, knowledge base so if anyone's got any questions looking to invest here i spoke to hundreds of people on the phone over the years i'll gladly help out when i can give information and share my knowledge and hopefully it can help people get to where you know the things that i've managed to achieve luckily managed to achieve well i think there's a lot more than luck there my friend a lot of hard work as well so thank you so much for being on the show it's always a pleasure thanks dave pleasure as always thank you all right all right take care we'll see you on the next episode